Hi, welcome to Rabies Today, a brand new podcast looking at a very old disease. I'm Professor Katie Hampson, and today we're going to be looking at why so many cases of rabies never make it into the official record books nationally or globally. We'll be asking what that means for countries trying to combat the disease and what that means for people at risk. Rabies Today is produced by United Against Rabies and supported by Dogs Trust Worldwide. So the saying goes, what gets measured gets done. Addressing any disease like rabies requires making sure we have the numbers. The most cited statistic is that around 59,000 people die each year from rabies. That's one person every nine minutes, mainly in Asia and Africa, but that's an estimate. We really don't have accurate records about how many people are directly exposed by rabid animals each year and how many go on to die and how many survive. And when it comes to animals, reporting numbers are even lower, even though we should actually have many more cases of rabid animals for every human rabies death. My first guest is Dr. Ryan Wallace of the US Centers for Disease Control, who's a member of the United Against Rabies Steering Group. Hi, Ryan. We've both spent time trying to measure the impact of rabies in different ways. What do you think the scale of underreporting of human rabies cases is? Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, we've worked together for, I think, almost over 10 years now. And I think we've both seen a lot of the same things in the field, a you know, wide variety of places we work in. Case detection rates for human rabies can be highly variable. Where, where I sit in the United States, a really good healthcare infrastructure. We do still have rabies in our wildlife, but we got rid of it in dogs. But we still think we probably only detect about half of the rabies deaths that occur each year. We know this because every few years we have a case that is identified through organ transplantation, which means this is someone who had rabies, went through the U.S. healthcare system died, rabies was not diagnosed, and, and they were able to donate their organs to people that unfortunately did then develop rabies, died, and were detected. So we know even in our healthcare setting, we miss human rabies cases. If we move into some other places we've worked, you know, India did an awesome survey around 2007, interviewed about 10 million people to try to find out how many human rabies deaths were going undetected, and they found over 250 which sort of confirmed the 20,000 death estimate for that country. But you know, globally, as you said, we've been saying 59,000 deaths for quite a while, since I think 2015. And if you look at what's actually reported to the World Health Organization, it's usually around 1,000 deaths a year, which, which would mean our case detection rate's probably looking more like 1% to 2%. So it's, it's quite low. But what about animal rabies cases, especially dogs, because these are the species that are most responsible for causing these human rabies cases? Equally low, um, probably even worse than, than our infrastructure to detect human rabies cases. But I would say for animal rabies, it doesn't matter if we find all the cases. I don't think it does. For human rabies, we do want to find all those cases. For the advocacy, for the families to be able to say, that this disease is here and causing um, you know, an extreme burden, we need to find those human cases. But for animals, this disease is enzootic in their population. 
there's a lot of rabies going on in the reservoir population. It's only a, a fraction of those cases that end up being a real risk to us, our pets, or our livestock. And the type of surveillance that my program sets up, again, that integrated bite case management type approach, it really focuses on finding those dogs or, or other rabid animals that are biting us or or the animals that uh, that we live with. And you know, that's going to save lives. It's not going to find every case, but it's going to give us a lot of good information, not just for human treatment decisions, but also for doing vaccination or other interventions. It's going to be a great indicator of if that's working. There are many reasons for this lack of data, starting with the fact that rabies is one of 20 diseases identified by the World Health Organization as predominantly affecting the most impoverished communities around the world. They're known as NTDs, neglected tropical diseases. And these NTDs, they're neglected in every sense. They predominantly affect neglected populations, they're neglected by political establishments, which means they're neglected when it comes to funds, research, and access to medicines. They're also neglected when it comes to collecting data, which is what I'd like to talk to you about today. United Against Rabies has also been making a point of collecting and sharing news stories from around the world using the hashtag ReportRabies. So do keep an eye out for that and share any stories if you have them. Okay, we're going to bring in Dr. Moses Jimate from Ghana, who's the Deputy Director of Public Health in the Northeast region and a leading voice on rabies control in Ghana. Thanks for joining us, Moses. Looking at the WHO Global Health Observatory, most countries don't send data on rabies and Ghana is no exception. So is there any data on rabies in Ghana? Yes, there is some data But uh, neglect means that uh, all the efforts that go into generating the highest quality of data for decision-making are not made. So then we have problem with the quality of the data that is submitted. So we have a a web platform uh, into which uh, data is uh, submitted. But uh, I have been working in rabies since 2015 and I have been following closely the data that is submitted, and I can tell that uh, we need to do some work on it if we can use it for decision-making. For instance, recently I did some analysis of data and I realized that there was huge disparity between the data in there and what the regions have reported as cases of rabies outbreaks. A little investigation indicated that in cases where the culprit dog tested positive, some of the officers enter data as human rabies, which is not the case. This is just an exposure and should be captured as that. So even though we are capturing some data, if we have to make adequate progress in rabies control, then we need every effort possible to improve on the quality of data that is captured. And that will mean that we move rabies control from the back burner to the front burner. Because again, as you said, maybe rabies is the neglected of the neglected. Because for Ghana, for instance, leishmaniasis, there's a national program. Bilhazia, there's a national program. Not a program 
for rabies. So we know, we know why we have these challenges. Do you think there are specific factors in Ghana that make it more difficult to confirm rabies cases? Yes, there are various factors. The first is that as a nation, we don't have enough pathologists. There are just a few. You find them in a teaching hospital and then uh, a few in some of the regional hospitals. So where I work, for instance, in the northeast region, we don't have pathologists. So if you have a suspected case of human rabies, what it means is that you have to call in pathologists from other places to undertake the autopsy. The second thing is that many family members do not agree to autopsy on the bodies of their dead uh, uh, relatives. So before even some of the uh, suspected cases come to our attention, the bodies have already been buried. And then the absence of a program that ensures that all data we need to collect to ensure that we are able to monitor efforts at elimination is also a contributing factor. So what I think is that if we have a program, then whatever little resources we have will be put to the best of use in order to get these things done a bit better and then put in other efforts to lift up the game. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to animal rabies cases, do you have a similar kinds of problems? Do many animal samples get sent to the laboratory? This is an interesting question because I work in rabies because of personal interest. And my observation so far is that since last year, October till February or March this year, we've been able to confirm four cases of dog rabies. Now, in all these cases, the push came from the human health side. So, for instance, as we speak now, we have the head of uh, a suspected uh, rabid animal in a fridge in the human health system, waiting for our colleague vest to forward to the laboratory. What it means is that in places where you don't have people who are interested, the push is not enough to ensure that when somebody reports a dog bite, we move in ourselves as human health people, we engage our colleagues in the, in the animal health. In several instances, we even retrieve the specimen for the, for the laboratory. Now, in some data we are collecting, this is the observation we have made that if there is a dog bite and you are told that the community members have killed the suspected rabid dog, then your suspicion that the dog is rabid must be high. It means that they themselves have realized that the animal is not behaving as usual. Thanks so much, Moses. I think that gives us such a great overview of the challenges of trying to work in a One Health way, bringing the veterinary sector and the human health sector together and how how challenging it is, especially when there just aren't resources going into a rabies program. So let's go to India now. Dr. Ashwath Narayana from Kim's Hospital in Bangalore is also the president of the Association for the Prevention and Control of Rabies in India. Dr. Narayana, you've been working on rabies in India for over 20 years. And sadly, 
India has got the highest number of human rabies deaths globally, about 36% of the total. But again, this is an estimate. What do you think some of the challenges are to recording rabies cases and human rabies deaths in India? You know that uh, India is a vast country with uh, more than 1.5 billion population and we have more than 25 million dogs. So way back in uh, uh, 2003-04, a survey estimated uh, 20,000 human rabies deaths and 17.4 million animal bites. That was a, a, a survey done with the help of uh, WHO. So now the number of uh, human rabies deaths definitely would have come down. Uh, sadly, the number of animal bites has increased. But now the government of India has undertaken a new survey and we may have the revised figures uh, in a uh, months to come, maybe uh, six months to come. But the important issue is most of these uh, human rabies cases are not admitted in hospital and people are scared to admit these cases because they say it's a highly infectious, this fatal in nature, there's no need to admit. So they, anyway, they're going to die within a short period of time. So now more emphasis is being given to provide a palliative care to end of life care. So another important uh, question is uh, reporting. These hospitals were not reporting because this was not made a notifiable disease in our country because health is a state subject in India. Now with a communication from the uh, federal government, each and every state has to notify this and, and subsequently they have to take a follow-up action like maybe giving post-exposure prophylaxis and also conducting the mass dog vaccination in that uh, area. So these are all the issues that have been uh, uh, addressed in the uh, National Action Plan. Thank you, Dr. Narayana. That's a, that's a lot of information and a lot of dogs in India. It's really great to hear that these quite major changes in terms of India launching a national plan and now some of those protocols starting to be filtered out and rolled out across the states. You said already, uh, or I've said already, what gets measured gets done. And you're starting to see a reduction in rabies cases in your hospital. Yeah, there is almost one tenth, uh, one tenth reduction of uh, human rabies cases because of increased awareness among the professionals as well as the public. People can afford vaccination and immunoglobulins and even the latest monoclonal antibodies. We also have the activity being undertaken by the veterinarians wherein they are conducting uh, mass dog vaccination, but it is... Uh, patchy but only sad thing is we are having more people getting exposed to dogs so this is a worrisome future uh, in our country thank you thank you so i'd like to ask each of you if you had much better data on rabies cases and rabies deaths what do you think that would mean for dealing with this disease first of all to dr moses thank you thank you very much and uh, that will be very important to understand and appreciate the magnitude of the problem. As it is now, a lot about rabies is the result of estimations because we know that reporting is less than adequate. Secondly, then we will know the resources that we need in order to be able to achieve uh, uh, rabies-free communities by 2030. And then finally, a good data can help us to monitor our interventions and then to evaluate the outcome. If we can't get good, reliable data, 
These are things we'll struggle with and it will make our efforts to eliminate the disease very difficult. Do you have anything to add, Dr. Narayana, if you have better data on rabies cases and rabies deaths in India, what that would mean for communities? Yeah, definitely it is very important to know the actual burden of human rabies as well as the animal bite exposures in the country. So that will convince the politicians. So we can make advocacy and also we can get some amount of commitment from our policymakers in the light of zero by 2030. We are only seven years away from the global goal. So we need to work fast towards making this world free of documented human rabies. I'm going to bring back in Ryan Wallace from the US CDC. Ryan, improving rabies data is a big part of the work of United Against Rabies. You've led an important piece of work on minimum data elements, which sounds complicated. Can you explain what that means in simple terms? Ooh. Nothing, nothing in the world of uh, international agencies and data is simple, but I'll try. So when United Against Rabies first formed, one of the top issues was the lack of data and the lack of reporting data. So I was asked to get a group together to try to look into how we can improve that, but more from a international level. You know, obviously we've heard from, from your other guests that a lot of the challenges lie down in the communities, but data does exist and... Even if it's not perfect data, it certainly is helpful, as, as we've heard from the guests. So we convened a group of experts on rabies surveillance from 10 different countries, all with different levels of experience. And we decided to do a landscape analysis of the guidelines that existed for how to report rabies cases to your country and then how those countries should report those cases to our international groups, primarily World Health Organization and the World Organization for Animal Health. And what we realized is that there are quite a few documents out there right now over the last about 10 years that all talk about different case definitions, different priorities for surveillance activities. And it was even amongst us experts quite confusing. So we decided it would be best if we condensed the best and most relevant and most recent documents into one kind of Cliff Notes version for people in the field at the national level and even at the international level to refer to, uh, mainly to make their job easier, but also to try to provide some alignment and clarity for all of us. And so what we've largely done is uh, created a, a document that you can go into and you can see the standard case definitions. You can see the standard variables that our international agencies think are very important to collect, both for informing your management decisions, as well as advocacy, as we've heard is, is so important here today. It has some suggested tables for how a national program might track this data. And those tables reflect how WHO and WOA would like to see the data when it's reported into their two systems, the Global Health Observatory and WAHIS. Uh, so it's really meant to make everyone's jobs and lives easier. Uh, we know it's not going to improve data collection at the field level. That takes investment in infrastructure. But for the data that is collected, it's so important to get that appropriately documented and moving through the appropriate systems into our, our databases and allow everyone to advocate more strongly. Thanks, Ryan. And you can find guidance on minimum data elements on the website, unitedagainstrabies.org. 
We'll also post a link on Twitter and other social media platforms. Do follow us by searching for United Against Rabies. Today, we've talked about the importance of data to help control rabies and some of the challenges when it comes to reporting rabies cases. Thanks so much to my guests, Ryan Wallace from the CDC, Dr. Moses Jumate from Ghana, and Dr. Ashwath Narayana from India. I'm Katie Hampson. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Rabies Today. I'll be back in about a month's time when our focus will be all about dogs and rabies. Bye for now.